Hey there, this is Keith Carpenter. I get to pastor Epic Life Church, and it's such a, a blessing that you're watching this today. I want to encourage you to in, um, enjoy this message and enjoy this worship and time. But I also want to encourage you that if you're listening from a different place in this city or in this country, and you have a local church that you're part of, that you invest into that local church. It's really good that we can hear people online, men and women teach and expound on the scripture. But in the long run, we need to go back to our local church and be part of that community. So again, it's a blessing having you here. I pray that this is a blessing to you and I want to encourage you to invest in your local community. Have a great morning. All right. Good morning, Epic Life. So good to see you. Morning, Larry. Man, I uh, I just love the, the gathering and what God's doing and I think it's important just to share just that, you know, even yesterday just wondering, Lord, like, what do you have? You know, like, I want to make sure that, like, I bring what, what you have and what the scriptures are trying to say and what we as Epic Life need to hear. And just, you know, you get uh, kind of that moment, right? Like, scripture talks about, like, as you're leading, and as you're preaching, as you're teaching, like, that there's a, a, a weight to it. And uh, I'm just so thankful. Ellie, thank you so much just for leading us this morning. And uh, I just hear the, the truth of Scripture all throughout the, the, the music this morning and just as we sing to the Lord. And I'm so thankful for just a time to, to look over the Scripture together. Uh, so if you just join me just in prayer as I pray for this morning and just, um, just as we prepare our hearts to hear from the Lord. Father, thank you. Father, thank you that you are a good and kind and gracious God. Lord, I pray this morning as we continue looking at Jesus' words, that we'd be reminded, uh, Lord, that your word is truth. Lord, would you just, with your spirit, would you prepare us, Lord, as you have been throughout this morning and this week, would you prepare us to receive from you? Lord, these words have to be from you. This work has to be from you, Lord. Help us to see that you are the true treasure this morning. Amen. I um, I love this series. I really do. I I just often think back to really what's happening. Jesus on the hillside. He's got his disciples that have been following him, watching him do ministry, and they sit with him. And then the crowds around sit as well. And Jesus goes on this, really this long sermon, right? We've, we've been in this series for a while, but we've seen that there's so much truth that Jesus is just laying out. As I was just thinking about even last week and how the, the giving, the fasting, and the praying, and, and the spiritual disciplines of that Jesus warns and encourages, don't do these for the outside praise of man. Today we're going to see Jesus takes a little bit of a turn uh, and he starts to talk about internal, the heart. He's done that already, but, he, but he's talk, still connecting this idea of where, where do we look to for our, the praise, not just of ourselves, but what do we find glory in? What do we find that we honor and we serve? Um, so this morning we're going to be in Matthew 6. Uh, 
verses 19 through 24. And if you'll stand with me as I read. Jesus is on, on the hillside and he continues in his sermon. Don't store up treasures here on earth. Where moths eat them and rust destroys them. And where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy. And thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness actually is. No one can serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Be seated. Jesus says a few interesting things here in just such a short passage of his sermon. You know, Keith has mentioned before, sometimes the way that we break up Scripture and translations, we, we think that Jesus has moved on to another thought. We think that he's finished a thought, and now he's saying something completely different. If we read it that way, we can kind of see this as some just disjointed kind of passing thoughts while he's gathering his thoughts to continue on. Well, what I hope we'll see this morning is that Jesus is still talking about worshiping in secret. Jesus is still talking about the heart of a kingdom citizen. Jesus is still talking about what it means we go all the way back to where this started to repent and turn towards God, to repent of our our ways and our desires and the the sin and brokenness of this world and to turn towards God. Jesus says, starts talking about treasures. He says, don't don't store them here. Right? He's talked about the rewards that the the Pharisees and the hypocrites they wanted when when they were giving and praying out loud and in large displays, performative displays. Look how much I'm giving. Look at how loud I can pray. Look at how holy I am. Look at how much I give. Jesus says that, they've received their, their reward in full. They have it. There's nothing more to gain. But the danger and the, the, the heart rate that he says is that those treasures are going to pass. They can't last. They won't last. He says, don't store up your treasures. He's still talking about treasures and rewards. And he he ta- starts taking them from like, these ideas of like praise of man to physical things. And he's going to point out that we want to serve physical things. We want to bow down to him. And he says, don't store your treasures where moth and rust will destroy. And he repeats himself by saying, go ahead and store your treasures. He's not saying that treasures are necessarily wrong. There's, there's something of treasures that is good. And redeemable. He says, but store them where moth and rust cannot destroy, where thieves will not break in and steal. Store them in the eternal places where they will last. He finishes that thought with, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. 
I wrote page numbers this time so that I wouldn't get out of order. I think the questions that I started to ask myself and started to, to see Jesus really kind of, not necessarily asking directly, but really those questions that are taught, like involved in the text are, where, what and where do we place weight and value? Where do we store those things? How does their value hold up proportionate to God? How do we see the world around us? And how does that affect how and even if we serve God? They're scary questions. They have me evaluating the places in my life, hoping and and praying that I wouldn't find more than one or two. Lord, do I treasure things above you? Do I serve things above you? Do I, I hold tightly to things that are worthless, right? Jesus is saying, moths and rusts are going to destroy these earthly treasures. Don't store them up. Not here. Moths and rusts will destroy these treasures. The things that we hold tightly to and, and say, these are the things to treasure and hold and that are worth so much to me. Moths can destroy them to where they, they, you cannot, they, they don't hold value. They're destroyed, right? The, the thieves that break in, you no longer have them, have access to them. Um, recently, I was watching this video going around on, on Facebook, and it's uh, shoes, like classic basketball shoes. And I learned that if you don't use the shoes, like if you just like treasure them and hold them and put them in a box and like display them, never been worn, right? Very, very value, right? We've rare and they've never been worn. They're pristine. The problem is, is that the soles will break down because they're designed to be used. They're designed to be moved in, put pressure on, and then they'll start to settle. And so just that idea that, like, we can treasure, oh, they're rare, they've never been used, and they're in perfect mint condition, but they're not. And the value that we put on might just not even be true. Just an interesting thought that I had as I was looking at this scripture that, um, that we could value something as good and pristine and, and whole and under the surface it can be crumbling and it does the soul you can go and just rub it and it'll just fall apart and the shoe is now worthless it doesn't take much to do it don't hand it to your kids Jesus here is teaching to trust in the father because remember he's just told them about rewards about praying in secret giving in secret fasting in secret that the Father who is in secret will see you and reward you. So he's continuing this thought of treasure. What, what reward, where will you place them? He's saying, place them, place them in eternity. He says, trust the Father. And, and here's the truth. When, when he says, place them where, where moths cannot destroy, where thieves can't break in and steal, he's saying, do you trust God that if you store your treasures with him, that he will protect them? Do you, do you trust and believe that not only will he protect them and not only is he willing to store them and willing to, to reward you, but that he is also able to reward you and to protect them, to protect those treasures? This is a, an exercise in trust that Jesus is saying. It's also trusting that God's going to hold his word. That Jesus, when he says the Father will reward you, 
that God's not going to pull a fast one on us. He's going to say, you just wasted your time. Right? God's not pulling a fast one on us. Jesus is going to continue saying, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. If the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. How deep that darkness is. Uh, Last year, sometime this year, I started a podcast with uh, just talking to several of you here at the church. In one of those conversations, I sat with Sam Orr, who if you didn't know, she's the voice that's on the intro video. Sam, actually, in our conversation, we start talking about this verse. What you see, the light that comes in, she mentions a point that the eye, the light that comes in, not just your body, but your heart, it affects your heart. And the way that you see the world, right, you're either going to see clearly or you're not. And the circumstances and the conversations and the relationships and the things that we own and the places that we're involved in and the work that God has called us to, we're either going to see it in health and in light and our hearts will be overjoyed being able to join in or we'll see the hardship or we'll, we'll see them incorrectly and we'll approach them incorrectly because our hearts are not healthy. Health brings health. Jesus is saying, how dark, if you believe, if we believe that the the darkness that we're seeing with is actually light, that we are deceived. In 1 Kings, this is not just a a, a new thing or or something that's only happening in Jesus' time, but in 1 Kings, Elijah, if you know the, the story about the prophet Elijah on Mount Carmel, he ends up asking Ahab, hey, call all of Israel and call all the prophets of Baal and of Asherath. Call them. And in this, there, there's a, a, a mighty display of the power of God, and you should go read that account. But he says something interesting to the people, to the gathered people. He says, how much longer will you waver? How much longer will you waver? The people of God, Israel, God's chosen people, how much longer will you waver? If God is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. And then they were silent. There's over 800 prophets, the scripture tells us, that come, prophets of Baal and prophets of Asherah, and they are silent. 800 people, silent before Elijah, silent before this claim of follow who God is. How long will you waver between two masters, right? Here's the thing. They were as not just individually as a community. They believed darkness was actually light and that they were following in truth. They're just wavering between two gods. Baal was not just a uh, an idol, right? It wasn't like he's kind of like God. These are our two opposite sides of goodness and evil. And the, the way that um, 
that Baal was worshipped. In fact, in this showdown between, hey, is God or Baal God? Is God the Father, Yahweh, right? Is he God or is Baal God in this battle of display of let God show up? The prophets would carve themselves and cry out and cry out. And again, just like Jesus was saying, don't be like them who just call out, hoping that God will hear them. That's what these prophets were doing. Hurting themselves, shouting to a worthless idol. And the community of God was following in this, and they weren't worshiping Yahweh. It's dangerous when we write how deep that darkness is if we believe it to be light. It will lead us down dark paths, ones that we believe that are are true and good and just and are broken and worthless. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. Health brings about health. Again, uh, Jesus will, will move on to another thought, so it seems. No one can serve two masters. You'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to me and despise the other. Page numbers didn't help. In the end... What about us, right? Because it's great that Jesus is telling his disciples this. It really is. It's, it's some good. We've, we've seen, like, we've spent months in this series, and we've got months more. There's so much just great teaching here. But if it's only good for them and it's not good for us, then why spend so much time in it? These, the way that Jesus has transitioned from the treasure of the applause of man, and now he, he's getting like really serious. You know, he's been serious and he's getting even more serious. And he's coming and he starts, his words are set upon the heart. What do you treasure? Where will you place it? And out of that and the, the treasure that you, you seek and the treasure that you adore and where you place it, it speaks about who you worship. And it speaks about what you worship. It speaks about where your vision is going and your heart. If your heart is not set, filled with light, it's a great darkness that comes. So there's a couple of places, a couple of stories that kind of help us to see what it looks like to live this out. Jesus often took opportunities, even as this, as he just sits on a hillside because there's a great crowd. It's a great time to teach. At one point, they're in the temple. He's bringing his disciples into the temple. And he's probably teaching. He's he's doing a couple things. And then out out of the corner of his eye, he sees this woman. There is those inside the temple who are just dumping change into the collection box just giving out of surplus. Jesus watches as a woman, a widow, gives two coins. One, he he sees her and he sees this sacrifice. He looks at his disciples and he says, truly I tell you, I tell you the truth. She gave the greater contribution. In his knowing, in his all-knowing, he tells them this is what she had to live off of. 
That's it, two coins. She has no husband to provide for her. She's given everything she has, and Jesus says this is what she had to live off of. She gives it away, and it's so much more. It is the greatest contribution, he says. It's far greater than any contribution where people are just dumping. And again, on display, look at how much I'm giving. How much I'm giving towards sacrifice, right? And again, that like I have been able to do this. She gives little, so little. And as I was looking at, well, two coins, like what, what is this two coins? Some scholars would say this was about six minutes worth of labor. Six. If you clocked off at work and your boss said, hey, I need you to come in real quick. It's just going to take five minutes. You're not logging that six minutes. You don't care. It's worthless. But to her, it was everything. And she gives it to the temple. She gives it to God. And Jesus acknowledges this and takes that moment to teach his disciples, this is the greatest contribution today you've seen. Because it spoke of where her worship was. God the Father, Yahweh. It spoke about what she believed about God, that he would provide. And that in giving up, in sacrificing, in making painful sacrifice, because the truth is, this couldn't do anything for her. It was worthless. And yet God looks at it and said, it is worth so much. And he honors it. He tells his disciples again, this is the greatest contribution you've seen here today. Another time, Jesus is teaching in the crowds. And he he just says, as he often does, he's trying to help the, the people around them understand the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, right? Which is where he started, repent and turn to God, turn to the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what John would say, right? John the Baptist and he's trying to get the, the people to understand, so he just starts to teach. The, the kingdom of God, well, I'll go ahead and read it. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. And when he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned, and he bought it. In these examples, both the the man who finds the field and the merchant, they take everything they own, and they don't hold it. It holds no more value now that they found a treasure. You know, the man who finds a treasure, it says he buries it again. He's been searching for treasure, and he finds it. And rather than just taking it and adding to his collection, he hides it. He finds all of the things he owns and he sells it so he can go and make ownership of that field and claim that treasure is his. Everything that he owns becomes worthless compared to that treasure. Its worth is only so that it would attain the treasure. The, the pearls, the same thing, right? Jesus doubles down. He says, this man, this merchant, who not just is, is collecting tidbits. No, he, he knows. He's a collector of choice pearls. And he finds this great pearl. 
And he, he too, he goes and sells everything so that he could have this one pearl. This one pearl, not one thing and not all of it collected together is worth more than this one treasure. Jesus isn't asking us to sell all of our things. Like that's not like if you don't do this, you're not a real Christ follower. Now, he might ask a lot of us to do that. There's a lot of places that he'll ask us to, to sacrifice. But what it is, is about the treasure. It means in light of the true treasure in Christ and where we store our treasure, we recognize that nothing has value or worth that exceeds Jesus. Jesus is our true and greatest treasure. To close out, I, I just, I want us to, to hear the words of John in Revelation. John has a vision, right, uh, revealed. There, there's the, uh, the idea of the scroll being rolled back, the curtain being pulled back, and he sees this vision of heaven. He sees this vision from God, and he's writing it down. And John just does not have the words to accurately describe what he's seeing, but he tries his best. So he uses language that something is like this in order to try and convey the same way that Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is like this. John will do the same. So as we close out, I want to read this passage from, from Revelation 4. So if you'll just humor me and just close your eyes and just hear this vision from John. John writes in chapter 4, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. And surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. And seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white. They had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also, in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures. They were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face of a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. And day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. The 
24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and they say, you are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. As I was reading just a few thoughts, I came across a thought that Spurgeon would say. And you would note that these elders that are in the heavens, and they've received crowns, and they are in a place of authority and rule. They are in a place of honor. And every time these creatures would, would speak, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They would take their crowns and they would lay them at his feet. They would fall before him and lay their crowns. But this isn't a one-time thing. This is, it isn't that they, they've received their treasures and given them up for good. They pick them back up. And the creatures were once again, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, day and night, over and over and over. And they would once again lay their crowns at his feet, at the throne of God. Their treasures were theirs. Their crowns were theirs. These rewards, Scripture will talk over and over and over about the crown of life and, and the, the crowns that, that God would bestow on us, the, the salvation that he gives us, that we are co-heirs. No one really knows who these 24 elders are. I don't want to make a claim as to who they are, but what, what it is is they are in the presence of God, of Jesus, and they take the crowns they've received that have been bestowed upon them. They lay it at his feet. Spurgeon would go on to say that they do not look at one another, wondering whether or not the right response is to do so. They don't look at and compare each other's crowns. They have time only to respond to this truth that is being spoken. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they once again, fall and give up their crowns. For us, as we live out our lives and as we look at the treasure that we hold, this life as we follow Christ, this life as, as, as God has called epic life in North Seattle, as you walked in this morning, you saw the vision to see North Seattle transformed by finding an epic life in Christ. The only place that life can be found and as we look and as we hope that like, here, here's the truth is these elders gazed upon Jesus. They saw the true light. The only response was that they would fall before him. Every reward they had would be laid at his feet. The rewards that we have for fasting in secret, praying, like Jesus isn't saying that those disciplines are wrong. Jesus isn't saying that to have treasures is wrong. He's just saying, where does your treasure lie? What do you treasure? And we treasure Christ. We treasure him because he is the one who has come, God in the flesh. He is the one who lived. And scripture tells us that, that he lived and he understands and he knows the pains and the hardships and he knows what he is asking of us as we look at life. And we say, Lord, this is hard and there is sacrifice involved. I know there's sacrifice. 
Lord, this is hard, and it's hard to, to live a life that is honoring to you and to not look at money or things or, or trophies or the praise of man. It's hard not to hold tightly to that. Because sometimes, sometimes we will not see that reward. That's what, what Jesus had just finished teaching his disciples. Your reward will be in heaven. And it may not be in this life. We may not see all the full reward, but the reward will be in heaven. We will receive crowns. We will receive our our worship to be with Jesus. And we will do nothing but lay those treasures at his feet because he is worthy. Everything we ever owned, every good gift, good deed, good sacrifice that God will reward, we will lay them at his feet. He is the true treasure. He is worth it. And one day, we will join and we will say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who will come. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor, and power. Every good gift that you have given, Lord, it finds its worth in you. Father, I pray that that this morning that you would just remind us that you are the great and true treasure. Lord, that, that as we place our treasures with you and in you, that we'd be reminded that everything was made by you and for you and through you. Lord, and and nothing that you ask us to do, nothing that you ask us to to step into, as we see, as we look at you and as we walk in and as we see this life for what it truly is, nothing is wasted. And that as we hope in you to to give us our reward, Lord, and and Lord, that you want to reward your children, Lord, we remember that ultimately they find their worth and value in you. And compared to you, they are worthless, Lord. Their only worth is to, to continue to look towards you as the true and priceless treasure. There is none that compares to you. Lord, help us to to remind ourselves that you are Lord and King and Master. This life, as we we look towards you, as we turn from sin, as we turn from brokenness, as we join you in your mission here and there, Lord, to build your kingdom. Lord, help us to remember that one day, All of it, all the sacrifice, Lord, the two coins, Lord, all of it will be worth it. And as you look upon our offerings that seem worthless, Lord, that you acknowledge them, Lord, and one day our reward will be you. We love you, Lord, and we just pray that as, as we sing, that you will help us to respond, Lord. Just respond to you.